0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, church, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about living confident. Ben, you can go. I'm going to get you up at the end of the service because we're going to pray for some people a little bit later on. We're going to talk about living confident. And some of you are like, should it be living confidently? Who's feeling like that right now? It should be that. Okay, just two people, the grammatically correct people, but just go with me this morning. We're going to talk about living confident and how to live secure lives, how to live lives that have uh, not a, a false sense of ego or something that robs us, but just a, a strength on the inside because we know who we are. We know how God feels about us. You know, we know how he's wired us up. And, and I'm convinced that for your destiny and your Christian life, uh, the, the, the main thing that will sabotage or derail your Christian life would be sin okay and so dealing with sin is the first issue and Jesus has done that and so we've turned to him we give our hearts to him he forgives us and so we've got to look make sure that doesn't derail our Christian life but I reckon not far behind that or second to that that will rob you of your destiny rob you of doing everything that God's got you to do is insecurity insecurity will sabotage your destiny if we don't get a hold of it and deal with it and that's really what I want to talk about this morning. 3 John verse 2 says, the the apostle John says these words, he says, beloved, that's you and I, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health just as your soul prospers. God wants your whole life, your all things. He wants all things to go well. He wants your relationships to go well. He wants your career to go well. He wants your family life to go well. Next week, we're going to be talking about family matters over the next two weeks, responding to the surveys where people said that the greatest challenges. So that's the next two weeks. He wants your family to be well. He wants your health to be well. He wants your financial world to be well. He wants all of these things to do well. And he says, it will come just as your soul prospers. And your soul is the inner part of your life. Your soul is your inner world. And many people pursue the externals so much, and that doesn't seem to work, and they wonder why it doesn't satisfy, and it's because we need to pay attention to our soul. And that's what I'm going to speak a little bit about today. The Bible tells us, don't cast away your confidence in Hebrews 10, because it has great reward. It has great reward. Now, there are a number of different things or names that we could call um, insecurity. Some people would call it an inferiority complex, a low self-esteem, a poor self-image, a lack of confidence, or whatever it may be. And I'm convinced that all of us on the inside have some levels of insecurity, all of us have some levels that we've got to deal with, that we've got to make sure it doesn't sabotage our relationships. And so for me, this has been a, a battle over num- over many years of, of learning to deal with and understand why do I draw back in search- certain situations? Why am I critical of others more than I should be in certain situations? And I want to help us this morning to understand what insecurity is, how it's formed, and then how we can deal with it and how God wants to help us overcome it so doesn't derail our future. So what we need to understand is what insecurity is, is caused by things on the inside of our life. And so and you, you might like to think of it as a cause and effect. The effect might be that when an opportunity comes up that I should be able to do, but I don't feel confident enough, I draw away. That's the effect. But the cause may be something that was spoken over me as a five-year-old. So there's the cause, and then there's the effect, or you might like to call it, there's the root, and then there's the fruit in my life. And so if we can understand this, just just recently I had this little experience. One of the things, and I think of a few things that cause insecurity as me, uh, particularly happened in my teenage years, and one of them is I actually had uh, bad acne on my back. I had cysts and bad acne, and it was was, was really bad, and it was extremely embarrassing as a teenager, and my worst days were the the, the swimming carnival where you'd have to go and take your shirt off and and I mean wearing speedos was bad enough as a teenage boy let alone taking my shirt off and people didn't say much but but they didn't say much but they looked and I was so self-conscious about it. it was so bad in fact when I was about 18 I went and saw the skin doctor finally to do something about it I took my shirt off and he swore he's like oh my mm, what do you and he just and he's like oh that's so terrible I'm like dude you're supposed to be helping me feel better here you don't do that he missed the whole bedside manner thing at at university I'm pretty sure and so I was you know I dealt with that and it was in the back of my mind and just made me very self-conscious in change rooms playing football all sorts of different things and it was part of part of what was the 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 root if you like of insecurity and and so you know fortunately it's all healed up and it's good and but but it's interesting on the inside just recently I actually um, had some some medication I I didn't have on this little bit of medication I changed over because I didn't have it went to a chemist got some different medication put that and I had a reaction and I got a rash and it's quite funny because I'm always joking about please pray for my rash well I got a rash and it was on my shoulders it was on my back and I thought it was because I bumped up against something in a tree but it was actually worked out after a few days it got worse and worse and something happened, my family were just, they were slightly horrified, but also paying out on me. And I just, you know, oh, that's terrible, oh, that's gross. And you know, it was, and I should have been totally secure, but I found myself wanting to lash out. I found myself, like verbally, I found myself wanting to say, don't say that, that really hurts. Something's rising up on the inside, and I realized I'm reacting at this moment, not about this moment, but about a past moment. And something on the inside of me, and so I'm just having therapy here right now. Thank you so much for helping right now. Just tell me I look good, and you're a good-looking man. Oh, no, it's okay. It's all good. So so it's, it's interesting how things in our past can be so deep inside of us, and if we don't deal with them, and even if we do deal with them, they can still leave us with enduring vulnerabilities and to be aware. Am I reacting to what this person just said or did? Or am I overreacting because something on the inside of me, I'm, I'm being taken back to a, a pain that I need to deal with. And so that's how the, the, the root and the fruit will work or the cause and the effect. And there might be a number of different things. Yeah, One of the things I fell in love with Danielle was because she put she put sunscreen on my back at the beach when I was like a 21-year-old and there was still some, some scars and stuff and it was like, oh, she accepted me just the way I am. True love was demonstrated right there. All right, so some of the root causes in our upbringing, in our past that can cause insecurity or a lack of confidence. Rejection is obviously a big one. Rejection can come in all sorts of different forms. Uh, it may be, and we call these family of origin issues, it may be it's the absence of positive affirmation from parents. And, you know, parents it's part of our role, uh, especially with our young kids before the teenage years, is to affirm them and show them love so strong that when life and and other, you know, bullying and all these things start to kick in, we've built a wall of love and confidence around our kids so that those things break off them. Those things don't stick to them, okay? But that, if you don't have that environment, that can open you up. Maybe it's constant verbal undermining of your worth, uh, abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, and that that. It can be bullying. Uh, sometimes we can have insecurity issues the root can be because of an, a, a shadow that's cast over us by someone who's very successful and it's intimidating that, uh, that how successful an older brother or an older sister a younger brother a parent or someone and it's and in that sense it makes us feel inferior maybe it's family shame Maybe something's been done, and, and especially in, in smaller regional communities, people can get a name that's, or that person's grandfather did that, and they can live under that sense of family shame. Or maybe it's personal shame, mistakes that we've made in the past that we, we think everybody's looking at us through those eyes. And we can't seem to shift it. Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's subservience. The the children of Israel weren't able to go into their promised land because they said we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes and therefore we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. Their view of themselves actually sabotaged their destiny because they thought of themselves as too small. And and that was developed by being slaves for 40 years. They had a slave mentality that stopped them experiencing the good things that happened. Uh, it can be a generational mindset you've been told oh we're this kind of family we do this we're those kind of people we're not like them and it can get enslaved in us that that's the kind of people we are maybe it's a highly up a religious upbringing that's emphasized sinfulness and unworthiness leaving us feeling like we're just never good enough we're never quite good enough. We, we, don't, we haven't prayed enough. We did the wrong thing and God's he's just not happy with us. And that can be a, a reality for people. Religion can cause people to have actually a poor sense of self-image if they haven't been told and if we haven't been told how much God loves us. That's why we've made a commitment in our church that when people come in, we're going to tell you how your father in heaven loves you. We're going to tell people that he likes you. We're going to tell people that he's not trying to come down strong on you you he wants the best for you we want to change people's image of our father in heaven but all of these things can be root causes and there are many more things deep inside of us from childhood from the womb from experiences and if we don't deal with those things then they can manifest in insecurity or a lack of confidence these can be things like feelings of inadequacy Uh, this to me there seems to be two expressions of insecurity One is where we draw back because we lack confidence, or the other is where we go over the top to make up for the insecurity we're feeling on the inside. So the drawing back can be unhealthy comparisons. They're so amazing, and I'm not. Social media has magnified, especially for our teenagers and young people, magnified this concept of, wow, well, aren't, they, aren't they just incredibly beautiful? They don't realize that that photo had two days of, of makeover and Photoshopping and creating unrealistic images. But if we get into comparisons, it's a, it's a one-way street to insecurity. Uh, that feeling can be uh, timidity and it means that an opportunity can come along and we sit back and we don't feel confident about taking hold of that opportunity because we just don't rate ourselves strongly enough. It's, uh, this sort of person can be a blocker to affirmation and someone wants to give you a compliment. And you can't accept it because on the inside, you don't feel good about yourself. And you're like, no, that's not true. And and like battered away, every compliment that comes your way, you're battered away. That's insecurity at work, stopping to receive the affirmation. Insecurity means that we can isolate ourselves and we can feel so bad about ourselves. No one would want to be a friend with me. And then that actually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and we struggle to form genuine friendships that, that God has shaped us to have and that we need, and then it re- reinforces the issue over and over again. We can end up, if we're insecure, being people-pleasing, just accepting stuff. People can stay in abusive relationships way too long because they feel bad about themselves and unable to say, I'm I'm worth more than accepting that kind of behavior. That's insecurity on the inside that needs to be dealt with. People-pleasing, unable to say no, a fear of man, fearing more rejection, Okay, so that's the pulling back. The other side of it is, well, because of my feelings of inadequacy, I'm going to overcompensate. I'm going to be a self-promoter. I'm going to tell, you know, the the conversations of this kind of person is I, 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 and I did this, and I did that, and you tell a great story, and then they've got a better story about how good they are. Come on, we've all been there, and we've all done that. But that's overcompensating. Uh, You know, I I find that one of the challenges of, of someone insecure on the inside is they can't embrace servanthood. Jesus, as the son of God, was so confident in himself and who he was that he could put on the clothes of a servant and take the towel and wash people's feet. And he knew that that act didn't define him because of who he was on the inside. He was making other people's lives better. But some people aren't aren't able to embrace a lower position because it says, oh, I'm not worthy. Well, what's this saying about my value? I I couldn't serve like that. I, I couldn't empty the bins. I'm much better than that. Well, that actually comes from an insecurity on the inside. Sometimes people are unable to receive correction or coaching and we all need coaching. We all need correction. But sometimes it might be raised something we didn't do well. But insecurity takes the, the issue that's being addressed of something I've not done well and says, oh, you think I'm just a loser. Yeah. No, 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 you're not a loser. You just, could you just, this one thing, you're not aware of it. If you improved it, it would be great. But we, we, we reject correction or coaching that would help us be a better person because of these feelings of insecurity on the inside. Other times we actually end up becoming super critical of other people. We, 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 and because of this insecurity, someone else succeeds. It's the Australian way. It's the tall poppy syndrome. The psyche of our convict nation actually tends to pull people down when they succeed because the only way we can feel good about ourselves is to pull people down to our level, find the fault, find the mistake. And, and, so, and you know what? I've found myself over many years... When I find jealousy rises up on the inside, when I find criticalness rises up on the inside. After a while, I realize that what's happening is because I'm critical of me, I become critical of others. And if I can't accept God's love for me and love myself, you find it hard to love others. And so for me, this journey of overcoming insecurity and growing in my confidence has been the journey of a lifetime. And I think it always will continue uh, for me and for, for, for all of us being able to understand, oh, that's... Insecurity in me reacting right now, rather than celebrating, I'm pulling down. And so for me, I shared a little bit about some of the, the teenage struggles. I I grew up in a beautiful Christian family, very devout. I loved God. My parents were great missionaries. I have great memories uh, of sitting in church with my dad, and my dad was very physically affectionate. So you know, and he he was 54 when I was born. So he was quite a bit older with me growing up. Some of you have still got a chance right there. Just you know who you are right now. You still got a shot, all right. And and anyway, and I'd sit beside my dad in church and I'd, I'd remember putting my hand on his hand and feeling the big popping veins he had and the calloused hands of a farmer. And, and I, you know, as a, as a kid, who, later on I was to understand that my love language is physical touch and, and, and words of affirmation. And so I, re, I realized the most loved I would feel growing up in terms of that sense of love would be the, the hugs with my dad or sitting beside him and feeling that love, okay? But on the other side of it, my family, and it was probably just a generational age thing and upbringing thing there was not a lot of verbal affirmation I never really got told I love you I never really had a lot of verbal affirmation in me and I here's the, here's the weird thing I had a, such a sense of destiny from my parents such a sense of call they would always speak over me God's got a purpose for your life God's got a plan for your life but not so much compliments not so much I love you that left me vulnerable coming into my teenage years. I didn't have that, that, that protection around me of love and affirmation and confidence. And so I began to go in year seven to a brand new school and I began to get bullied. I began to experience relationships that, that undermined. I was a popular kid in primary school, and I suddenly I just went to the bottom of the food chain. We were the poorest in this grammar school. We were the, and it just it messed with me over a number of years. It eroded my self-confidence. Add the, the acne to that, and then add this, this other dynamic of living in, of being in uh, traditional churches that emphasized holiness, behavior, not God's love, but that you need, you're guilty and you need to live up to a standard. And it left me with this feeling on the inside that I don't quite measure up. And God's not really happy with me. And he doesn't like me. And therefore, therefore there's really nothing I can, so my prayer life would almost be trying to get on in God's good book, good books. Rather than coming in knowing that he loves me and I'm not trying to get in his good books, I'm in his good books. And so, that, so those things created in me an insecurity. And every time, I, uh, and funnily, I'd, be keep, I'd keep walking into my destiny because I had a strong sense of call and, and doing things. And most people would, would totally be unaware of the inner battles that were going on for me. But I, you'd walk into your destiny and you'd hit some challenges and the voice on the inside, because there's, a, there's, a, there's an enemy who, who hates you and who wants to rip you off, and it's a spiritual enemy. But I heard someone say just recently, we also have an enemy. And the enemy is the voice on the inside. The voice that's telling you you're not good enough and voice that's repeating these things and undermining you. And I've I've found, you know, probably around 23, 24, I began to be aware of this. And God's taken me on a journey of overcoming that and giving me principles and keys to grow in confidence, to grow in confidence. And I want to share uh, some of those keys with us this morning. Is that okay? Some of the things that God's done in my life that I think he can help in your life. If you want to do a study on this, Ha, go and have a look at the, the life of King Saul. King Saul was the tallest in all of Israel, the most handsome in all of Israel. But because of his tribal background, his, the, the shame of his family who'd done some atrocities and almost been wiped out, he had a terrible self-image. The Bible says God made you king of Israel, but you, you, had, uh, you, you saw yourself as little in your own eyes and he sabotaged his destiny because he was unable to follow God's instructions. He was too worried about what people thought about him, and it sabotaged his destiny. Have a look. I would call him the most insecure man in the Bible. You might want to go, well, what else? Who was, who, who just, just while we're at it, who was the funniest man in the Bible, just while we're talking about? It was obviously Sansom, because he bought the house down. Oh, come on, come on, work with me today. Come on, work with me. Oh, oh, who was the first hippie in the Bible? obviously nebuchadnezzar because he was on grass for seven years okay he ate grass for seven some of you are laughing a little bit too much because you know what i'm talking about right all right so let's move on so you can study saul he was the most insecure man in the bible so let's have a a little look here then at the journey of healing from insecurity the journey and i'd like to put it like this there are things that we build into our life not not just one there will be one-off moments that are key breakthrough moments but there are things we need to build into our life, okay, for on for an ongoing basis. So the first is this. We need to learn to receive the love of our heavenly father. We need to learn to receive the love. If, you, if your image of your own father is a bad one or it was absent or not there, we need actually to, to our mind to be washed over with the good news that you've got a father in heaven who adores you. He adores you. He loves you so much. He so wants the best for you. Whatever your image of the perfect father is, multiply it by a thousand, and that's our heavenly father. And he, he wants to. This this is interestingly because this is the, the words that Jesus, God's son, heard when he got baptized. It says in Matthew 3.17, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus heard a voice affirming him in front of everybody else. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I remember as a 20, probably 24, 25 year olds being in church, standing on the altar and really being a a church boy grown up in church who never really experienced a, a feeling or sensation of God's love. I knew how to hear God's voice. I'd had moments where you'd sense the presence of God. But in terms of it, the, the feeling and the sense of God's love, never really had it. And one day I'm out the front, and our church is, in, is experiencing uh, God moving, and I'm out the front, and, and everyone's falling over all over, around me, and I'm not falling over. The power of God doesn't seem to be touching me. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Not feeling much. And in that moment, I just have this prompting from the Holy Spirit, begin to speak over yourself that God loves you. And so I just began in that moment to go, I began to say, all right, Father, I thank you that you love me. And I just began to speak these words, actually, not just that you love me, but just like you said over Jesus that I'm pleased with you. I began to say this, Father, I thank you that you are pleased with me. And as I began to say it, the love of, I began really for the first time to experiencing God's love come into my heart. It's like there'd been a blocker in my heart to receiving God's love and his warmth. And so I began to do it. And I, and I found as I spoke the truth out, not what my heart was telling me, because my heart had been deceived. I'd heard too much of the wrong stuff. I'd, I'd bought into the wrong thinking subconsciously. No one had ever said, said, you know, God doesn't love you. I knew that in my head, but my heart never experienced it. And so I began. To, it began for me a journey of a daily basis of coming before God and, and actually realizing that I, didn't, I don't need to get righteous to come before God. I don't need to confess all my sins to come before God. I just need to come before God because Jesus has made me holy. So Jesus has made me So it's began what would be pretty much a daily confession for me of coming before God and saying, Father, I thank you this morning that you love me. I thank you today that you are pleased with me. And I thank you that through Jesus, I am holy. Before I even confess any sin, I'm holy. And then later on, out of and and so often what happens is I spend time waiting on his presence and speaking his voice over me, I begin to experience that sense of peace and love and confidence. Sometimes it's overwhelming, other times it's not. But it's become not just a moment, it's become a practice for my life. And then later on, I'll go, okay, Lord, is there any things that I'm doing that's not up to speed, that's not the standard you want me to live at because of our relationship? Not because I want you to love me more. I can't make him love me more. But out of my relationship, what can I do better? God, what's going on? And it's just a whole different mindset shift. And I want to encourage you today that God is here. And if that hasn't been your experience about who God is, if you've never been told that when God looks at you, he's smiling, he adores you, He's got great plans for your life, a great, death. and if you could experience that and open up your heart and your mind to that, that would be the beginning of dealing with the insecurity and the lack of confidence. Then over the years, i found God's told me all sorts of different things about what he thinks about me. Once I've got that open, I found out that he loves my sense of humor. Can you believe it? He loves my sense. He told me that. So I'm going to just keep telling jokes because God loves my sense of humor. All right. So that's the first one. You'll find it's one of the great reasons to be in church. Many people are in church and they begin to cry and they wonder, why am I weeping? And it's because the love of God is beginning to touch you and and weeping is actually letting pain out. You might find that for 12 months, you just stand in church every week and you're like, God, I thank you. you," It's not even what the songs are. It's the atmosphere. God, I thank you that you love me. Father, I thank you that you love me. And and you might cry and not know why you're doing it. It's pain leaving your soul because God is at work in your soul. Lean into it. Embrace it. That will bring healing. The second thing is this. We need to learn to release the pain of your past. Release the pain of your past. This is not just a moment as well. This can be the, a journey. This can be, a, this can be a, a, a long journey. I remember, again, around this similar time that I began to, to open up to God's love, I remember th- as well standing on the altar and God bringing back to my remembrance three or four names and faces of, of guys in year seven and eight who were sarcastic and cynical. And, and you know, I tried to get back, but and they'd say things during the day and you'd laugh them off, but at night it would stick. And so you, I'd have that. I remember in having that sense of pain locked up on the inside and just beginning to say, God, I forgive. And I'd say their name and I'd see their face. God, I release them. I forgive them for the things that they said. And I found in that moment, you know what? Within, within a couple of years, I, I can't remember their names or their faces and it was just a matter of God's love coming in and washing. But it was a choice to release it. Now, sometimes we we need we need help. Sometimes we need to see a great Christian counselor to talk about the experiences and the pain. And and sometimes it actually can get worse before it gets better because it's like, oh, I buried that down so deep that I don't want to go there. And because it's actually painful when I go there, the problem is when people touch those points and those insecurity, it comes up and all these feelings come up. We're like, oh, well, if you want to stop that, you've got to actually let God into the deep parts, The little drawers that you've got closed and you don't want anyone to know about, let God in there. And that can happen. Again, it can happen. The Holy Spirit is the great counselor. He can come in and he can he can show you how Jesus has paid a price for the rejection, how Jesus knows what it is to be abandoned, how Jesus knew what it is for people to falsely. He knows all the pain that you've been through. Jesus went through at the cross and he said, if you'll give it to me, I'll exchange for you peace and love. But sometimes we need help. We need to stand on an altar. And at the end of this service, we're going to have a moment where, where people can come out the front and go, God, I'm going to let you into that little drawer that I've got that no, that I've never let you into. I'm going to go and talk to someone. I'm going to, I'm going to go and maybe do the, the freedom group and freedom course. And I'm, just, I'm going to let God into these spaces because I want to release the pain. I want to release the pain, okay? And that could be a journey, but it's, it's really worth doing over a long period of time. Part of releasing the pain, there's really just two keys to releasing the pain. It's forgiving others and then repenting and forgiving yourself. Because sometimes the shame we feel is because of stuff we've done and we know God's forgiven us, but we haven't forgiven ourselves and we're living under shame. Repenting, and forgiveness and when you do that and it's not just on your own often it's the power of doing it with other people sometimes journaling it's just how do I get this pain out get it out journal it out talk it out but cry it out but let God get into that space and release the pain of your past all right the third thing and there's four here so we've got we've got receive the love of your heavenly father release the pain of your past that might actually be be a journey of a lifetime might not, it might not actually um, ever go away that you've kind of got to go, oh, that's right, Lord, I forgive them again because I've got that feeling coming back and you, can, and you need to do that. The third one is we need to resist the devil. I'm going to get the band to come on up right now if you would. We need to learn how to resist the devil. Uh, Jesus said to Tim, uh, Paul said to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. James 4 verse 7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist to God, give my life to God, resist the devil. So here's the thing, as well as the inner voices that we have from our past and experiences, these things that can actually open a door or allow a spiritual demons to come along and become external voices. And Paul says, Timothy, God didn't give you that spirit of intimidation you're feeling. And that feeling's not coming from your inner voices and it's not coming from people around you. It's coming from a spirit that's telling you you're not good enough to lead this big church even though you're 21 years old or whatever he was, very young. And he's, he's getting intimidated and Paul says, man, you need to use the gifts of God that God's given you. You're not using the gifts and the reason you're not using the gifts is because there's a spirit trying to shut you down and hold you back. God didn't give you that. I want to tell you today, sometimes The the internal voice, the enemy, we've got to go on a journey to deal with that. But we've got to realize that there's also an external pressure coming from a spirit that tries to rip you off. And it's very easy to deal with demonic spirits once you realize that's a spirit of intimidation. You can just stamp your feet and go, get out in Jesus' name. Or that's a spirit of condemnation, trying to make me feel bad about something I've done. God's not trying to make me feel bad, but the devil's trying to make me feel bad. And so part of my normal routine, most mornings when I'm praying is I'll actually go. And I I imagine myself with a baseball bat and a a tee ball in a game of soft in a game of tee ball. And I imagine because you don't rebuke the enemy with, oh, would you please go away? You have to fire up. And I'm like, all right. condemnation get off my life go in Jesus name intimidation get off my life go in Jesus name and when you fire up realizing the authority you might have to do that numerous times consistently but real, because he just keeps coming back and knocking but can I tell you insecurity makes you go oh it's true it's true but it's the devil Come back at him, strong with the authority of Jesus. Get mad, stamp your feet, yell at him. And and sometimes you'll find in a moment, changed. I feel, the the difference is I feel like this. Sometimes, you know, if you're going to pull out a nail, you just got to get the hammer, get underneath it, and pull it out just like that. And that's how you rebuke the devil. Get out, go, and he goes. But sometimes there's been a screw put into our minds, And you don't get a hammer and pull out a screw. You have to unscrew it progressively. So there's sometimes the spiritual. So there's the forgiveness, the release. There's the demonic thing. You break its power through authority, get other people to pray for you, get that off you. But then sometimes we've been screwed in the head. By things that have been said and they've stuck in our mind. This is not our heart now, this is our mind. And the Bible says if you want to be transformed, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And we've got to unscrew the things that are being said, but the way we unscrew them is by speaking what God says over our life, saying it over and over and over. This is what God says about me. This is what the word of God says about me. You're made in the image of God. So when God describes himself, he says, I am. He says, I am your healer. I am. When Jesus came, he described himself as I am the bread of life. I am the truth of life. You and I in the image of God need to say consistently, I am, I am a son of a father in heaven i am righteous in jesus christ i am a bold strong leader i am a great husband i am a great father i am confident i am anointed and as you declare the i am's, what you're doing is you're tra- if it's god's word you're transforming the way you think that's also a journey Sometimes you'll come up against different situations. We're going to pray for people real real soon. You'll come up with different situations where everything seems like it's going wrong, the inner voice is telling you you're a loser. The external voice is telling you you always fail in moments like these. And you need to realize what David did when he had a moment like that. The Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't need someone to prophesy over him. They were all deserting him. But he understood the power of God's for me. I am his soldier. I am his servant. He has chosen me. He is pleased with me. I am, I am. And I would say for the last 22, 23 years, part of my prayer life has been receiving the love of God on a regular basis. Part of it's been forgiving people quickly so that stuff doesn't get into my soul. Talking to others, talking to a counselor, releasing pain from my child, just, just little things that, I, that just got stuck inside me that I needed to let go. Learning to resist the devil and break his power over me on an on ongoing basis. And then learning to renew my mind. So again, most days, I would, I would declare scriptures over me when I hit different situations. I did an offering at a conference this week. You, you saw the photo. I got up and I did it. And afterwards, I sat down and the external voice started. Why did you do this? Why did you say that? Why did you do that? For about th- now, now, understand, 10 years ago, that would have taken me three days to recover from those voices in the fight. In that moment, I've learned. So I just started to fire up on the inside. Like after a little while, I reckon I lost about 20 minutes of that feeling—external, internal voice. I just started to fire up. I've got some things I say that I won't repeat that just help me to get fired up in that moment. You're bound in Jesus' name. And usually the devil will oppose you when you're stepping out to a new level of influence in your life and what God's called you to be. He'll, he'll, he'll like, oh, I want him to take a step back and feel bad about themselves. In fact, the greatest thing you're called to do will usually be the greatest area of intimidation in your life. We want to get free from that. So can we close our eyes right now? Come on. Right across this place. I know it's freedom being released to people just as the truth is being shared. Before we begin to pray with people, I'm wondering at this moment, just as we close our eyes, if you didn't know, if you haven't been told how much God loves you, he's got a great plan for your life. He's got an amazing destiny for you. He adores you and he's smiling over you. No matter how old you are, it's never too late to say yes to him and his plan for your life. It's never too late to invite him into your heart. Because when you invite Jesus into your heart, he's the healer. And the Bible says he goes to work on healing us, renewing us, rebuilding us. And I'm wondering this morning, if you're here in this place and you're away from God, you don't have a relationship with God. You might have once, you might have once gone to church, Sunday school, youth group. But right now, Jesus is not number one in your life. Right now, there's no real relationship going on. There might be an occasional prayer you throw up, but you're not connected to him. He's not your best friend. You're not confident that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God. I would love this morning to lead you in a prayer of getting right with God of taking the step into his plan for your life. It's, it's awesome. But you need the creator to come into your heart, forgive you because he wants to, but you just got to own your stuff and he'll forgive you and he'll come and he'll begin to make things brand new. You might be here and you're not sure if you get, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. You're not confident of that. I'd love to pray for you to be confident. So in a moment, what I'm going to ask you to do is if this is you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And then I'm not going to ask you to come out the front in your chair. We're going to all say a prayer together, a prayer of committing your life to Christ. And in a moment, I'd love you to raise your hand and then to pray this prayer of connecting with God. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, today's your day. If you've done it before, but you know you need to come back to Him, you'll sense the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart even right now. You've got a call and a destiny and it's time to step back into that. Or if you're just not sure if you're going to go to heaven when you die and you want to have that confidence, I want you to raise your hand. So right now, right across this place, if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, John, that's me. I want to get right with God. Just raise it up real high and say, that's me today. I need to get right with God. I need to reconnect with God. I need to begin a relationship with Him. Wherever you are, I, I feel like there's at least a couple of people in the room right now, and God's using me to talk to you because today is a day where you turn over the page to a new chapter of your life, and God is at the center of your life. He wants to be. You just got to surrender to Him. Would you raise your hand if that's you right now? Just say yes to God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer if that's you. Wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you are, say, that's me, John. John. I need to get right with God. Christians are praying for you. There's a tug of war in the spiritual realm going on for you right now. Don't miss this moment. Don't say, I'll do it later. I'll do it in another moment. So often when we put it off, we miss the moment, the window that God's got for us. I know he's here talking to someone. And if that's you, come on, just raise your hand right now. So that's me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Who else? Who else? It's got to be one more person. Who else today? You're saying, that's me as well. Would you raise your hand high and say, that's me as well? Join in this moment of prayer. Join in this moment of surrender to God. I'd love to pray for you. I can't wait too much longer. But you got that tug of war going on in your heart. Today is your day to get right with God. Let me pray with you. Let me pray with you. All right, church, let's pray this together after me. Pray it from our heart. Say these words together, everyone. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for me. I'm sorry for my sin, for all I've done wrong, and I'm turning to you today. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.